This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland, joined by the goddess of the garden, Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Charlie. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? I am well. I am well. How has your week been? How's your garden doing? Oh. My garden has loved the rain. It's just been a just been an absolutely a huge pleasure. Uh, of course, the grass is green now, growing like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Lots and lots of plants have kind of perked up. With the uh, we've had about close to nine inches of rain in the last twelve days. So Beautiful. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, I will say the weeds are also taking advantage of the gorgeous moisture and the nice warm temperature. <laughs> so things are perking at my place. What about you? Uh, yeah, everything's a pretty even keel at our place. We've had, uh, over the last month, um, I think, uh, rain a little bit more regularly paced than uh, than you. I know you said you went, I think, like close to a, a month weeks. without rain. Yeah? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we had no, no measurable rain uh, after the third week of June up until, yeah, like 10 days ago. Yeah. So, yeah, more than a month. Yeah, so we've had some some good heavy days of rain, uh, not so much in the last in the last week, I guess, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, ours has been a lot more even keel. Everything's green. Everything's growing. The plants, the weeds, everything, everything, <laughs> everything yeah. The grass needs yeah, to be cut almost... yet again. There we are. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but just, um, yeah, so you're, of course, not calling from your regular home studio. I am not. Calling when you're live and and direct in the studio. Yeah, I'm right across from Carlos today, yeah, because, uh, yeah, we're right here in Zoomerplex, and that is part and parcel because of all the, uh, well, my two oldest are going back to university, so, uh, yeah, so we're uh, delivering (laughs) people and things (laughs) to university homes and such, yeah, so I was down in the Toronto area, so here I am, for sure. Good stuff. Listen, before we... Oh, do you want to do the numbers? And I would then love I to. will uh, yeah. have a couple of announcements. I, yeah, I would love to give the numbers. Yeah, so 416-360-0740 is the number for uh, those Toronto residents. And anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it's toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. And do let Carlos know if you're a first-time caller, because, Charlie, I got him. I brought the garden wings with you me. Brought them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we want you to call often, call early, and please, 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 one question per call. And uh, yeah, you said you had a couple of announcements before we go to our first break. Sure. Just quickly, uh, next Saturday, September 10th, the Agent Court Garden Club is holding their annual flower, vegetable, and design show with a tea room. It's free and open to the public, and they're a very fun group of people. So, um, what happens is the members bring all the best of the season's bounty from their home gardens to the hall for the viewing pleasure of everyone, including the public. So flowers, vegetables, designs, uh, everybody, like I say, is welcome. 
bring your cameras. There's experts there to answer your questions, to have a cup of tea while you're admiring all the beautiful bounty. And of course, this is how all happening at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which is at 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. So that is next Saturday from 2 to 4. And then the following Tuesday evening from at 7 p.m. at the Pickering Recreation Center in the O'Brien Room, the Pickering Garden and Hort Society is meeting. Again, this is an all-welcome. Everybody come to the meeting. The special speaker is Seya Beheshti, and she's speaking on the subject of African violets and growing them um, as um, in containers and probably using them as a design aspect within mixed containers. So 7 o'clock, Tuesday, September 13th, the Pickering Garden and Hort Society. Great. Both sound fantabulous. Okay, we are going to take our first break. Uh, the lines are open, so please give us a call with your questions. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here with The Garden Show, and the lines are ringing steadily, Charlie. Going to go to our first caller. We have um, Sharon from Gravenhurst. Welcome to The Garden Show, Sharon. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. I have two large pots of morning glories on my deck. They are going crazy, but growing crazy, but no flowers. Oh, you know why? You are loving them too much. Uh (laughs) Too much care makes too many leaves. So stop watering, stop fertilizing, yell at them a bit, and they'll flower. Oh, okay. It's not too late in the season then. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're, they do, they um, perform better when they're stressed, so stress them. Make sure they're in full sun, of course, and, and let them really dry out between waterings. Okay, I will try, and hopefully the flowers will come before the frost. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Okay, bye. So sometimes a little bit of neglect does the trick, is that it? Uh, oh, yeah. Too, no, too much love kills kills lots of plants. Huh. Yeah. Wow, just to turn a blind eye. <laughs> there you go, let them do their it's like thing. Raising, it's like raising children, right? <laughs> you just ignore them every now and then. Yeah, there you go. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay, again, the numbers to call 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number, or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We are going to North York now, Charlie. We have Maureen on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maureen. Uh, good morning, uh, Dean, good morning, Charlie. Charlie, I'm calling about an, earlier in the season. I had called you about my uh, northern catalpa Cal- tree that the city planted, and I followed your instructions, and it's done very well. Except a couple of days ago, it started getting brown spots, and then mm. where the brown spots are, it's getting holes. So, uh, should I be worried? No, you know why? It's September now. It probably is some form of a fungal disease or some kind of a leaf spot. And of course, what's happening is where the tissue is turning brown and then black, the tissue dies and then it just falls out. So it looks like a shotgun has been shot through the leaves. But And if it was June, I'd say, okay, let's talk a little more about this. But it's September. Those leaves are going to all drop off in the next few weeks anyway. So to have any kind of a minor issue 
issue going on with the leaves of trees at this time of year is never a concern. It's it's almost like you you know that disease. It's called tar spot that happens on our some of our maple trees. Same idea. Black spots. Uh, you know, kills the leaves ultimately. But by the time the leaves are dead, the season's over anyway. Okay. So in the spring, it should come back okay. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be perfect. Just keep it up. Next spring, before the leaves come out, just take a real good look at it because, you know, the city's not going to look after that tree. So take a really good look. Make sure that there's no crisscrossing of branches. Um, you know, it's, imagine it's not too tall yet that you could reach even on a stepladder and just clean it up a bit if there's any dead wood or a lot of growth to the inside of the tree. Make sure all the growth is happening and growing to the outside of the tree. Okay, thank you very much, Charlie, and have a good, good weekend. Thanks, but thanks, and good luck with that, Maureen. Uh, we uh, we've had uh, some properties in our area uh, that have had that uh, ash bore and uh, oh. had to have a lot of trees removed. In the yeah, I felt very bad for the one property. Probably about seven trees on their property. Oof. Boy, and that cost them. That's yeah. all on private property. Yeah, and big, and, like big trees, like very tall. Yeah. Yeah, like a thousand dollars a tree kind yeah. of price. Like I'm sure that they got a better deal than having to pay a thousand each, but still yeah. very expensive to take down big, big trees like yeah. that. And yet it's the best thing to do because keep think about it. A borer has tunneled through all the wood of that tree, right? Mm-hmm. Through the main stem and all the branches. And all you need is a big wind or a bit of an ice storm and that whole tree comes crashing down. Right. Right, yeah, we were talking about that just the other day, uh, how uh, then I suppose that uh, insurance won't be as um, uh, happy to pay for that damage if they know that the tree has been identified as being uh, sick, I suppose. Correct, yeah. Yep. Okay, we have to take our first break, but we have uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back on The Garden Show this first weekend of September, Labor Day weekend. Kind of hard to believe there, Charlie. Hmm. Where did it go? Yeah, How did I that know. happen? Yeah, it's true. It's the crazy. <laughs> no, now I'm I got shocked. Yeah, I got to say that um, you know a lot of people they start to, I think, uh, psychologically pack it in because September rolls around. But in my estimation, we always still get a nice bump of warm weather uh, through September. Oh, really good point, Dean. You're, you're absolutely right. Many people are just tired of gardening at this point, and they just want to hang up the rake and be done with it till next year. But this is the absolute best time to plant, to transplant, to uh, particularly plant brand new plants that you pick up at the garden center and they're on sale because it's the end of the season. So go out and look for things you've got on your list that might be out there half price. The soil is nice and warm. Plants immediately start to grow. Roots start to extend. Seeds that are planted now, particularly grass seeds, will grow very, very well. It's the best time of year to uh, overseed your lawn, top dress, overseed. Oh, oh, there's just so many things we can do in the fall if we can have the time and the energy and the, you know, the get up and go to do it it's not you know may 2 4 is not the big weekend to get planting this next month is the time to get planting gotcha okay note taken uh let's go to mississauga now we have heidi on the line welcome to the garden show heidi 
Dean and <clears throat> and Charlie. I have a question. My lawn is a big mess, and every year I used to buy black earth and put seeds and rejuvenate it. So I went to the garden center, and they said, we don't have any black earth this year, but we have uh, triple mix, but you cannot put triple mix down because it burns the grass and it's full of weeds. Now, Mark Callan had an article in the paper, and he said to rejuvenate the lawn you put down triple mix now what's the story do i put triple mix or no or go and look somewhere else for black earth or how does it work so heidi how big is your yard is when you've bought black earth you bought it in bags right yeah i used to buy about nine bags okay so here's the scoop if i were you I would buy nine or ten bags of soil. The question is, should it be black earth? Should it be topsoil? Should it be triple mix? There's even stuff out there. It's called lawn top dressing. So lawn top dressing is amazing because, of course, it's designed specifically for the lawn. Either way, get bagged. If, if it is in a bag, it should not be full of weeds. So the garden center said, oh, you don't want uh, uh, the triple mix because it's full of weed seeds. It's like, well, if it was in bags... Why would it be full of weed seeds? I don't understand. Uh, it does start outside, but once it gets bagged, it usually heats up in the bags, and seeds, if there are seeds, will die. So, well, you um, see yeah, in I, the garden I, center, they, they have huge piles, and then they fill their own bags. So it's right. not the They're, bags that you buy at Canadian Tire or Home Depot right. or so on. So, yeah, there's no question if soil is sitting out uh, in big piles and then it's bag it yourself or have it delivered by the yard, there is likely to be seeds in there, uh, weed seeds, unless you just happen to time it when they're turning the pile because <clears throat> the seeds are all sitting on the surface, right? So you don't want to take the soil from the surface. You want to okay. dig into the pile and take it from the center in, in the middle somewhere or, like I said, buy it already bagged and sealed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank Good you. Good luck. Thank yeah, you just for your get what and I always listen to your show every Saturday. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you. Um yeah, that can be a little confusing when you're getting such mixed messages. Um mm -hmm. but the bottom line is get some good soil out there and yeah, avoid weed seeds if you can. Okay. Uh we are going to uh Cambridge now. We have Dan on the line and Dan is a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Dan. Thank you. Glad to be here today. I'm going to give you your garden wings, sir. Wonderful. There, there you go. fly through our wings. shores now this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, good morning, uh, Charlie. We have a problem um, with a gardenia plant that we purchased. A uh, nice-looking plant when we got it home from the garden center in May. Um, and we had it in a sheltered location on the deck with, uh, you know, a fair, enough, fair amount of filtered sun. We kept very good care of it. It came home with lots of blossoms. It looked like it was going to be really quite a nice display. We got one nice one off of it. It turned yellow and died. And then the rest of the blossoms continued to come out partially and then turn brown on the ends. That followed that with a lot of yellowing from the leaves. So uh, my wife, who's very good with plants, uh, tried a couple of um, remedies, um, some conditioning of the soil, with some Epsom salts and things that she had heard about, uh, to no avail. We did try to replant it. Um, nothing has happened. It's continued down the same process. 
We brought it into the house, set it under a nice sun-lit uh, area through skylight. It seemed like it was going to recover, and now it's gone into the same mode. So right now, we're faced with a gardenia with hardly any leaves left on it. Um, very loose as you pull up on on the root structure. You can almost tell that the roots have not grown. And we're wondering if you can help, because this is our last-ditch attempt at trying to repot it. <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you, Dan, you and your wife have taken on quite a challenge, because yeah. gardenias are not easy to grow here in Ontario. They are so gorgeous. We always fall in love with them at the garden centre. They, they usually come up from Florida, and, uh, and they're in perfect, you know buds and blooms and green leaves and looking so good and then we get them home and it's really hard to mimic those perfect conditions you've done a lot of the right things the one thing i know from having grown gardenias in the past you you can keep them alive and with lots of green leaves if you keep them constantly moist they need far more moisture than what you would expect so usually we think about watering a plant in a pot thoroughly and then letting it drain out letting it dry down between waterings but no gardenias are kept constantly moist so even in terms of the saucer they're sitting in there should be water at all times one of the fertilizers that is uh, often used with gardenias I'm pretty sure they still make it. It used to be on the market by miracle Grow, but it was called Mir Acid, so M-I-R Acid, and it was a fertilizer for acid-loving plants, which is what uh, gardenias are. Okay. At this time of year, I wouldn't be cranking a lot of fertilizer. What I would do is I'd be trying to acclimatize it to your home and have it in a situation where it will slowly, it will start to leaf out again. Do not expect any buds or blooms until next spring. But for now, I would cut back anything that's clearly dead or at least give the whole plant a haircut just to try and promote new growth. So a little bit off the tips get some new growth going, make sure it's in a bright spot, and keep the humidity as high as you can this next winter. That's going to be your hardest challenge is high humidity. So a a tray, like a a big tray full of pebbles, the pot sits on top of the pebbles, and there's water in the tray at all times. Just keep the humidity at, you know, if you can keep it at 70, 75% and pretend you're in a Jamaican rainforest, that plant will will do well. So moisturizing with spray on the leaves would be a good idea? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Right now, when you say trim it, it, it's almost bald. Um, And uh, I would suggest that at this point, we were going to replant it this morning. If we do that, would you suggest it first? And secondly, what would you recommend for the soil? Well, if you've already done a transplanting on it, uh, I wouldn't do it again. Uh, Be happy with what you did. When you transplanted it, did it go into a bigger pot at that time? Uh, yes, it did, into a clay pot. It's sitting within a plastic, um, you know, these typical uh, attractive-looking deck uh, plastic surrounds with wheels on it. Um, mm-hmm. Where that's inside, uh, It's inside that, uh, but it's okay. inside a clay pot, and it seems to be quite a good size. We, we did transplant it from the original plastic container that it came in, um, so that would be uh, its, its first transplant. It's just now when I, when I kind of tugged up a little bit on the trunk, uh, you could almost see that there was a very small root ball that was going to come out if there was any more pressure. So my guess was that it never got much root growth after we brought right. it home. 
Right. And that, and so you got to think, well, why did that happen? It could, remember, transplanting is shocking to plants. So the process of being transplanted, put into a new pot, particularly if it's a lot bigger. Remember when we transplant, uh, in the case of a gardenia, it was probably in a 10 inch plastic pot when you bought it. So if yeah. you're going up a size, you go to a 12 inch. You don't go yeah. from a 10 inch up to a 20 inch pot because no, no, that no, does no. set the plant mm -hmm. back. They do not grow roots quickly into a pot that's a lot bigger than what they came out of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we go one step at a time with our pots. But it is shocking no matter when we transplant. So let it be. Don't don't put too much demand on it. You want roots to grow. Then you're not going to get a lot of top growth if you're getting bottom growth and vice versa so for now i would let it just let it hunker down no fertilizer just keep it moist keep the humidity up if the right. only growth on it is on the tips of the branches then choose don't take all the tips off because you don't want to take all the leaves off but you'll right. find that if you do some tip pruning you will force some new leaves out bright light okay. high humidity and let me know in a month or so how it's going will do and thanks for your advice appreciate it very much love the show Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Good luck with that gardenia there, Dan. Oh, can't tell you how many times I've tried to grow gardenias. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're that much of it. They are one of the the plants that oh. do not need ignoring, obviously. Correct. Exactly. It doesn't thrive on neglect. It's not like a morning glory. Wow. Uh, that gardenia was my mother's all-time favorite flowering plant, and so many times I got her gardenias, and then the the struggle began uh and uh yes indeed it is if you can give it a tropical rainforest life is good it makes me not want to go out and buy a gardenia they sound a bit challenging <laughs> but they're so beautiful the fragrance is so beautiful oh lovely okay we're gonna go we've got another first time caller on the line and um uh, it's susan we're going to oshawa welcome to the garden show susan hi thank you hi i would like to give you your garden wings my dear oh Okay. There you go. What do you got for Charlie Welcome. there, Susan? Hi. So um, I have a, um, a honeysuckle tree, I guess, that was damaged in the wind in the windstorm in June. It's about. It has four individual trunks. They're each about four and a half inches wide. The tree is about fifteen feet high and about fifteen feet across at the top. Uh, in the windstorm, each all of the four trunks sort of bent over, twisted, and split down the middle at the oh. bend. So it's sort of almost lying down, and it's on a hillside garden, but it still looks alive. Do you think there's anything I can do to salvage it? Right. Uh, well, they're very, very tough plants. They are very difficult to kill. So it probably is alive. The question is, can you salvage it so is it in a place that it really matters what it looks like and how it grows when you see on a hillside no, no. it's it's on a no. little hillside garden beside beside my patio oh but it doesn't, so it, i don't really care what it looks like i i just like to keep it because the bumblebees are like all over it when it's in bloom yeah well, what you'll find is that when the big old branches on a on a big old plant like a honeysuckle shrub are broken, two things are going to happen. One is new growth is going to come from the bottom. So you're going to get some new little uh, 
stems growing up from the crown or the base of the plant. That will be your future shrub. For now, though, the broken down ones that are lying down and still have green leaves on them are going to struggle to stay alive. And it's amazing how much damage plants can sustain and still stay alive. I mean, we've all seen the, the, the apple tree that got hit by lightning and the, the tree is completely hollow and yet the apple tree is still alive. So it's still got, you know, the, the phloem and the xylem doing the movement of liquids just beneath the bark. And that's where it's so important. It's the center of, of any big old plant is dead wood anyway. All the life is, is just beneath the bark. So if the bark is intact in enough spots, life will continue in that plant. What I would do is I would like obviously take a good look at it, remove with clean, sharp um, saw or shears or loppers, anything that's clearly dead. Give it the winter and see what it looks like in the spring. Uh, it, unless, you know, you've got some some of these fallen down branches that absolutely need to be removed because they're interfering with other gardens or, or the patio or whatever. Uh, you know, if all four of them kind of collapse to the ground, if you can leave them there till next spring and then work on cleaning them up when you see what's really going on or remove now or remove one or two now and encourage new growth to come, like I say, from the crown or the center of the plant. Okay. Thank you. Makes sense. Good. That's You're welcome. Okie doke. Yeah, thanks for the call there, Susan. Good luck with that. Uh, Charlie, we've been yeah. talking a little bit about um, a little bit about fertilizing, and uh, you got an email from uh, Diane who was uh, r- r- quite a lengthy email about fertilizing her lawn and asking about uh, uh, nitrogen and uh, corn gluten and things like that and said, I guess her, her and her neighbor both uh, are very, very diligent or have been in the past about their lawns. And, and uh, while Diane did not get uh, fertilizer put down in the spring this year, her neighbor did, and she noticed a difference with the clover and with the, the green of the lawn. And, and so we, we, she was hoping that maybe you could, uh, you could comment on that. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, so it's a really good point that she's bringing up, that she, this is a woman who has spent years and years at the same house. She's worked really hard, like like we were just talking with um, Heidi in Mississauga, really wanting a nice lawn, staying on top of it, top dressing, overseeding, keeping it really beautiful, but then the years go by and we get... No, we don't have as much energy. We can't get down on our hands and knees quite the same. So now she's wondering, you know, what should I do? What should I do? Um, and she's, I love where she says it's really obvious where her lawn and her neighbor's lawn meet because the neighbor was able to fertilize in the last spring or summer, whereas she wasn't. And the neighbor's lawn is quite green and hers is quite pale. And she, like she said, she's not digging out the clover and dandelions like she used to. So she's, you know, frustrated by all that. And I get it. The main thing is – and and that – I, I know exactly what she's talking about because I remember in Richmond Hill one time when my new neighbors moved in, they didn't know anything about lawns. They had just moved from a condo and there they were merrily mowing the lawn but ignoring it otherwise. And then one day in about July, my neighbor goes, how come my lawn and your lawn are different colors? Nah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, you see, I do fertilize on occasion. And and he's like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to fertilize. So then he, he, uh, he did get it together and 
you know, started doing a better job. But, you know, it's a learning process. Fall fertilizer is the most important fertilizing of the entire year when it comes to our lawns. And we're coming up to the fall fertilizer time frame. Usually I put the fall fertilizer down in October sometime. So you've got a couple of weeks to look around, look for some sales, mm. get up, get fall fertilizer it will be very specifically say that or winterizer fertilizer and it will help our lawns be in good shape for next year so um yeah so and in terms of all the other issues the top dressing the overseeding great idea if you can do it uh it's the best by far you got patches you have a dog you've got some dead spots You've got, I've got crabgrass coming up like crazy, and it's very obvious where the crabgrass is. So I've been digging that out. So I'll be patching as much as I can some of these holes to make sure more crabgrass doesn't grow there next year. And, uh, and yes, as Diane said, she does have grandchildren, so she knows what needs doing. She wants to get those grandchildren to work. And I, I hear you. <laughs> Everybody should be putting the grandchildren to work, hiring <laughs> the neighbors. Uh, you know, I guess in your case, Dean, your kids are off to university, so they're not around to help you but you have some younger ones that are still there put oh, them yes. to work <laughs> and um and you know get get them helping because you know a nice lawn is just a, a beautiful beautiful foreground to your gardens and maybe background to your back gardens and it's just a you know a nice thing to have gotcha my uh, my youngest one who just turned 13 yesterday is probably just shaking her head at you right now going what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> putting me to work. What are you telling my dad? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, we uh, we do have to take a break. I'm going to give those numbers out first, though. Uh, Toronto is 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 740 We will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back with more here on The Garden Show. And, uh, Charlie, we're going to go directly to Toronto. We have Marianne on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Marianne. Uh, Good morning, uh, Charlie and Dean. I have a question about pruning perennials. Uh, The tiger lilies and bleeding hearts have bloomed, and they're just flopping all over the flower bed. I've seen uh, people uh, cut their lilies down to about six inches. Is this normal? Uh, So these are, you said tiger lilies. These are not day lilies. These are actual lilies? Well, they're pretty and orange when they bloom do they have uh leaves that are like grass long and narrow or are they a stem with little short leaves no long and narrow right so those are daylilies so what you what you do daylilies the blooms only last a day that's why we call them daylilies they send up flower stems which are separate from the leaves they're green and there's little buds and Every day a new flower opens on that stem until there's no more buds left and then the stem turns brown. At that point, you get out your pruners and you cut out the brown stem. Kind of like we do when we're looking at our orchids inside the house. Once the buds are done, the flowers are finished, the stem is brown, cut it off at ground level. Uh, And then the leaves are fine. You just enjoy the leaves. They'll drop in the big first frost that we have. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, bleeding heart 
is an interesting plant because it depends where it's growing, what it does. It's beautiful in the spring. We love it, love it in the spring. It grows in very deep shade. And if you've got it growing in the shade, then it will actually, once it's finished blooming by about July, the whole plant turns yellow and basically drops to the ground. And then there's an empty, like you cut it all out once it's yellow and drops to the ground. And now you've got an empty spot. Well, However, the, go ahead. The uh, um, orange lilies, uh, they actually bloom quite for quite a while. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh for sure. Like, you'll never cut leaves down. Um, but, yeah, enjoy the flowers when they're there. It's just the stems, the flower stems okay. that you will remove. And when it comes to bleeding heart, if you've got it growing in not deep shade, you've got it in a fair amount of sun, it yeah. will often stay up as a plant all through the summer as a green plant but you can always cut and and tidy Mm -hmm. the plant anytime because it does all its big show in the spring so by july or august if it's looking a little ragged feel free to prune it it's just they're just green leaves and stems the stems are hollow uh they are going to again drop to the ground once we get a big frost uh does this apply to solomon's seal and peonies too Right. Not the same. Solomon's seal should be perfect. It should just be standing there. Uh, flowers, of course, when they're done, we prune them out. But the green leaves, we leave alone okay. and we enjoy them all summer. Okay. Peonies, when the flowers are done, we prune them out. I leave my peonies. I do not. I take the flowers out, but I leave the leaves until, again, that big, hard first frost. The leaves all turn sort of purple and red and kind of burgundy, very pretty. Give them uh, some time for the leaves to die down because of frost. And then down on your hands and knees, cut the peony to one inch tall above ground level, right across. So you you don't have to deal with it in the spring. Okie doke. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. You're so welcome. You're welcome, Mary Ann. Thank you for the call. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, love that. I think Mary Ann would like me to come to her place. I think you're right, with a (laughs) pair of shears. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, let's go to Helen in Scarborough. And uh, Helen is a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Helen. Thank you. And I'm going to... There you go. Oh, gotcha. welcome, welcome. Garden Wings. Good morning, Charlie. We listen to your show every Saturday. Love it. Um, I have an apple tree in my garden. It must be at least maybe 30, 40 years old. Every single year we've had apples galore. This year, not one apple. (laughs) What happened? Did you have flowers? Very, very, no, no blossoms. I I, I just can't understand it. Okay, I I will help you understand it. It's nothing you did. It's very, very normal, particularly with the fruiting trees. When, um, what happens is we have years where we get a bountiful harvest, like big, big harvest, and then we have years where we have no flowers at all. And it's just... It's just an energy thing for the tree. The tree can't actually produce a bountiful harvest every year. You probably haven't noticed, but over the years, you've, you have had some ups and downs in the amount of apples that come off that tree. And this year, it's just gone to an extreme of no apples. But uh, don't be overly concerned. Just do whatever you're doing. It sounds like you're doing the right thing if you've been enjoying the apples for all these years and expect uh, you know, get out your bushel baskets for next year and, and don't be at all worried about this, this year. I would make sure that it's not 
having a lot of competition from other plants so that yeah. it is, you know, you're top dressing it with some good quality triple mix, that sort of thing. Make sure it's, it's well, it's got good nutrient around it and, you know, good quality soil yeah. around it. Uh, but yeah, it all starts in well, the spring with flowers, right? Yes. Well, to tell you the truth, we haven't fertilized at all because we don't eat the apples. Uh, they fall on the grass and then we throw them over into the ravine and we, the deers eat them. But this uh, year, we haven't had a single apple. I think it's so unbelievable. I haven't had one single apple. I mean, you're going to have to go buy some apples <laughs> for the deer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know, I, Fine. really, I'm just so interested why. that Somebody told me yeah. it's not been pollinated. Well, well, that's right. But perhaps there were very, very few flowers. Mm -hmm. And then the few flowers there were did not get pollinated. Mm -hmm. Or you're calling from Scarborough. Perhaps we had a late frost. I don't think we did. But sometimes we don't get a fruit crop because after the flower or while the flowers are on the trees, we get a very cold night and the flowers get frosted off and then there's no fruit. And that certainly has happened in the past um, Dean, you might remember in Collingwood, oh, probably six, seven years ago, we had mm-hmm. a late, oh, maybe more than that, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but either way, a very cold, cold frost, and it was in May, late May, yes, and yes. The, the Collingwood orchard um, apple growers, ha- their crop went from the normal to like 10% of normal that year. They just they just did not get the apples because they all got frosted off. So, um, yeah, so that okay. it, it happens. Don't don't blame the tree okay. and don't fertilize it now, whatever you do. But okay, think about Sally. some top dressing and, and maybe you can get out somewhere where there's they've got date like old apples, you know, stuff that's not quality anymore and they're yes. They're tossing them into a, a dumpster. Then just say, "Hey, can I take those for my deer?" <laughs> okay, I'll okay. send you this time next year and let you know. Okay. okay. Yes, please. Thank Thanks so much so for much. the call, Helen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we have to take. I like a- that. That's yeah. a nice visual. Picking up apples and throwing them into the ravine for the deer. Yeah. No. Really great. It's Scarborough. Listen, it's great. I have to take a. We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here with more on The Garden Show. And, uh, Charlie, we are going to head on to North York now. We have Ethel on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Ethel. Yes, good morning, Charlie and Dobbin. I have a, a problem, another problem, it's just a question now. I had a boxwood in around my fountain, which I had to get rid of them because of the moth killed them all. And I would love to transplant rose bushes there. Is it advisable? Sorry, transplant what? Rose bushes. Oh, rose bushes. Hmm. So you've I taken see? out the boxwood. It's all out. Uh, it's and all out. what do, is the front of the house? What direction does the front of the house face? It's not in the front. It's in my backyard. It's a southern oh. backyard. It's a southern okay. southern location. But but is the lawn would be? I mean, the ground would be okay now, or or would be still infested with the with oh. the mouth? Don't worry, no, no, no. That insect that's wiping out the boxwood is very specific only to boxwood. Okay. Right? It's oh, they, That will not affect roses whatsoever. But just make sure that if you are, it's called the box tree moth that uh, is wiping out the boxwood. Okay. So good idea. Look for a replacement. Don't try and put more boxwood back in. No, just no, make no. sure it's full sun if you want roses to it, do it well. It is full sun there. It is full sun there. Okay. So, and when can I do that? When can I transplant the bushes in there? 
Are they old bushes you've had for a long, long time? Yes, yes it's in there. It's in there at least uh, six years, five, six years. Okay. When is the best time? You could do it this fall. What I would do is I would cut the rose down. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like a hybrid tea rose, or what kind of rose is it? They have the bush, bush, bush roses in there with the yellow bush rose. I forgot the names in there. It's all the name tags are in there. And then it's okay. one of them is a very, very fine. It's an English, old English uh, rose oh, uh, stem with only a single flower on them. It's not a double oh, yeah. petal. And I forgot sweet. the name. It's a very old, kind parent. I got it from my neighbor. I don't know the right. name of it. I'm terrible. Sorry that's, about <laughs> That's okay. No, I just, um, you could uh, transplant this fall or you could wait till next spring. But either way, oh. you're going to transplant roses late in the season or early in the season, not obviously in the middle of summer. Before yeah. you do any transplanting, you're going to cut the plant back by at least a third. So you're going to shrink the size of the plant down because mm-hmm. you are going to leave some roots behind when you make the move. Mm-hmm. Prepare the hole for where you're going. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the soil is very fertile in the sense that it's got lots of lovely organic material in it, whether it's composted manure or your own compost. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's a it's a well-drained soil. It's yeah. in full sun, but it's got real good quality to it. We call that good tilth. Okay. So it's a, a real good um, soil for growing roses because roses are not that hard to grow, but if you've got to put them into well-drained, sunny location, but good quality soil so that you've got the drainage, you know, the sandy part okay. for the drainage, you've got the loam part for the water retention, but you've got that organic material so that you've got that, that richness as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just have that already and then pop the, the plants out, keep the soil around the roots in the process. So Uh digging carefully, lifting over into the new spot, into the ground at the same level they're growing now. Perfect. Because right now they're growing as gorgeous. My bushes are gorgeous. Now they're blooming still, blooming perfectly. So maybe I should leave it to the springtime then. I'm better off probably. Uh, either way, I mean, the nice thing about doing it in the spring is you can see whether they're making it or not. You can see whether they're settling in. You, you, you translate them now, and you don't really know what's going on until next spring. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I thank you very much for the call, Ethel. With the color and all that for every year, you know, the late, late fall. This is yeah. what I'm doing in the, for, for marching it, you know, so. Fabulous. Thank you. Wanna... Thanks for the call there, Ethel. Got to run. I got John on the line. I'm just going to, we're just going to run over here real quick and see if, he has a quick question for uh, Charlie there. John, welcome to the Garden Show. Yes, uh, good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. It's John, as usual. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would tell the, the lady with the apples. Uh, my apples this year are not the greatest. Actually, my fruit trees are not the greatest, except my peaches. Uh, mm. I picked up around maybe, what, 43 uh, pounds of bush uh, of peaches, and I still Oof. have some a little. But my question is regarding my lawn. And I take care of it. I, I, I watered because I didn't have as much water as you guys did in Mississauga. It looks like we were forgotten this year. But anyhow, um, <laughs> I have, um, I think I have grubs, both in the back and the front. My neighbors have it too. What's uh-huh. the problem, Charlie, please? Okay, so if you have grubs, remember how that works. Japanese beetles or a, a beetle that looks like a Japanese beetle, there's three different kinds, will have laid eggs. Uh, beneath 
the drip line of big trees. They will also lay eggs beneath um, the edges of your house. So straight down, they, they copulate, party all night, straight down to the ground, lay eggs, uh, die shortly thereafter. That was back in June. Mm-hmm. Now the eggs have hatched. They're little tiny, tiny, tiny grubs, and they're starting to get bigger because they're eating the roots of your grass. You go to your local garden center and you get the nematodes. Nematodes for controlling grubs. Mm-hmm. Follow all the instructions on the on the uh, the um, package. Uh, they're not cheap, but I they work if you follow the instructions to the letter. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Well, nothing. I was just saying the the grubs will work. You just have to. Sorry, the nematodes will work if you follow the instructions. So go for it and get you know. Hope for rain. Thanks for calling, John. I see we're at a racetrack here. Unfortunately, the show mm-hmm. is done. We are done. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Dean. I've been watching you. I saw Alan. Hi, Carlos. <laughs> wave to me. Um, the, uh, I'm watching you guys live on the live stream. <laughs> there we thanks, are. Thanks, guys. Couldn't do any of this without you. Great callers, as usual. Keep those questions coming. Email me anytime. C.Dobbin at mzmedia.com. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.